0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. And welcome to the show, everybody. We're we're all together again. It's been a couple of weeks since all three of us have been together on the show, <laughs> so this will be fun. And and that's Yay. good because this is, this is a big episode that we're doing today. A big episode. Oh,
1: I I saw. I see what you did there. Ah. <laughs> Dun dun dun.
0: But I'm How's everybody doing?
1: I mean it's is it October? What are what month are we in?
0: What it year is, is it? It's still still 2020. It's been the longest of oh, my life. So <laughs> yeah, we are still there in 2020.
2: A decade. You're lucky. I'm in a millennium here.
0: Yeah, I know. I hear you. Uh, I was, I was watching, uh,
2: rewatching the haunting of Hill house.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you were excited because the haunting of blind manor came out on Netflix and I know that was something that you were excited about. And I guess that's tied in with the haunting of Hill house. I know it's the same creators. I don't know if the story ties in or, or what. Completely different
2: stories, uh, based on two different authors. Um, so the original was, um, shoot, I'm going to draw a blank, uh, Lisa Jackson. And then the second one was, I can't remember. Uh, he did Turning of the Screw. Is it James Joyce?
0: Well, you know me and my horror <laughs> literature. I'm a big aficionado. <laughs>
2: well, and, and it's interesting because Blind Manor, Manor is much more of a gothic romance. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it's, a, it's kind of a, a ghost love story. Um, it's not a horror film by any stretch um, or series because it's nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Haunting of Hill House is more intense and it's more of a scarier ghost story, but it's also got a lot of gothic um, stuff. And I really like Mike Flanagan. He's a really good director. Especially in this genre, and the one thing I like—and you guys know this—I don't like gore. I don't like over the top kind of um, stuff in in that genre. I like more of the suspense and storytelling. And he delivers that in spades. In in both, it's it's really really good filmmaking. If you want to check out something creepy this uh, Halloween, but not
0: too creepy. <laughs> Perfect. And and Blind Manor I know is on Netflix. Is Hunting of Hill House also? Somewhere streaming? Yeah, both are Netflix exclusives. Cool. So there yes. you go. Something creepy to check out if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, I'm just going to start watching Christmas movies now because, let's face it, I just want to get to the end of the year. <laughs> let's just get there. Let's just finish it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Memory watching season one of The Mandalorian because I'm getting ready for season two.
0: Yeah, we are... We are just a little under two weeks away from season I two coming out, and so that's exciting. I need
2: to so rewatch good. season one. Yeah,
0: it's so good. And, and I heard they're
2: starting. Uh, they're going to start production on season three this year.
0: Yeah. Well, the cool thing about the way that they make the Mandalorian when they do it in the what they call the the void is that what they call it the void mm-hmm. something. Um, yeah, something like that. <laughs> the way that they do it there, they they can. It's easier. For them to do a production like this in the COVID pandemic type world. I don't know why air quoted COVID. COVID a very real thing, <laughs> but I just meant like the whole COVID pandemic yeah. world, just so we're clear. Um, but, but yeah, so because of how they do it, they can, it's easier for them to isolate and easier for them to shoot and, and do production. Uh, which is great news for Disney because they've got nothing else going on right now. That's going right, right for them. So that's good. And I'm excited to hear that they're doing <laughs> season three. So um, oh, Disney poor Disney. Um, well, awesome. Well, it is Halloween time. We're not doing anything super scary for our movies this year, but we thought we'd do something a little bit different, a little Fire's bit magical. Troubles. Hang on. A little bit. Oh, Tracy's on we're on the, the move.
2: move. We're on the move.
0: I'm trying to find a better Wi-Fi spot. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> well, while you're doing that, what we're talking about big today, which is it's not a scary movie, but it definitely has a little bit of that mystical magic in it. Right. I mean, I guess, Yeah. I don't know if you're in the middle of it, it would be scary. Like if that actually happened to you in real life, that would freak you out, but it's not. The traditional kind of scary movie. And so I'm excited to talk about this. And then next week we're doing Freaky Friday. And then we've got a couple more uh, 13 going on 30 and 17 again. So um, some fun things coming up. Yeah, where so they're a all bit...
1: those. I was going to say ahead. that they're all just those movies where, um, you know, this genre has been done before. The story has been done before over and over where you have somebody changing places. Um, with someone else, whether they're changing places with their parent or, you know, they're going to be back to being the younger them again. Um, and I think the movies that we're talking about are how they were done successfully, mm-hmm. but there were a lot of mm-hmm. movies that had this same genre that did not happen successfully. Um, but I think big is probably the best storyline of all of them.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I, it just seems to work really well, um, and it's yeah. I would agree. I think it's the best storyline out of all of them, for sure.
2: And this is our second Penny Marshall film.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true. Yep. I, and and our second Penny Marshall film starring Tom Hanks. Yeah. Double points.
1: They like so. they like hanging out with each other.
0: Well, and, <laughs> and they do well together. Sometimes you you get a director and an actor combo that just they just click. I mean, it's similar to Tim Burton and Johnny Depp when they get together, it's usually pretty good and they usually get, get some good work out of each other. Um, Yeah. I do have to say, I've been watching uh, the weakest link on uh, Hulu. uh, So it's a day late and, and someone was asked a question and this is relevant. Someone was asked a question about what Academy award winning actor has played Walt Disney, Fred Rogers and Woody and the lady who answered said Dorothy because she misheard what the question was, like totally misheard what the question was. <laughs> and so when we were watching the movie last night, big, my wife was like, Oh, is this one of those movies starring Dorothy? And it was <laughs> just <Jeff.
1: laughs> because <laughs> it was well, talking about right that answer, lady... But uh I'm I'm sure that lady feels just awful. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like, well, when who she gets tried to explain wrong? her answer, she said, I no. heard. I heard something about scandal and betrayal, and and I knew that there was that new movie about Dorothy about Judy Garland. I'm like, well, what? You're still wrong, lady. Sorry. (laughs) So, but this is one of Dorothy's better movies. I really like Tom Hanks in this one. That's not fair. We should,
1: we should, we should go on um, Twitter and hashtag Dorothy like um Tom Hanks like all day long today. <laughs> yeah. Let's start let's start a movement.
0: See if we it's can get this it. This is Alter trendy. ego.
1: <laughs> I,
0: but I really enjoy this one. And this is kind of as he was starting to get um to be a, a bigger name. I mean I think this is one of his earlier films. It's not you know, obviously not one of his more recent ones, but um, this was before he was Academy Award winner, Tom Hanks, and really was kind of breaking in with comedies more than any kind of dramatic role. But this gives us a lot of both. There's a lot of funniness, but there's a lot of drama and a right. lot of serious acting in it as well. And he does a really great job.
1: Well, and I think it's one of those movies that, yeah, this um, this even movie. though he's had movies before and after this movie, this movie is the one that you still sit down and watch with your kids. Even if your kids have never seen it, like this movie holds, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like you can, you can watch it. um, And it does like the, the humor is still on point. Um, The message is still, still relevant. Um, I mean, it, it looks like it was made in the eighties because it was, but, but, that's what you're going to get with the movie that's set in the time that it was made, but it doesn't take you out of it because the story is still so relevant and still so true. So true. I think looking at
1: this movie and looking at the, we're going to be talking about freaky Friday next week. And both of those movies is the older freaky Friday, the one made in 1976, like we'll talk about it next week, but I think comparing big in 1988 to freaky Friday in 1976, I could sit down with my daughter and probably if she ever has a kid and we could watch big
0: Mm -hmm. and Mm
1: -hmm. we would still be totally entertained and not brought out of the fact that it was made in the eighties, where is in the freaky Friday in 1976? Like it is, it doesn't hold. No, it doesn't. Like you can totally tell, like there are so many things we'll get into it next week, but there are so (laughs) many things that pull me right out Mm -hmm. of like being in that movie because of, what they put into it um but i think big like it's just one of those yeah you can kind of tell you know the music is is a little of the 80s the the filmmaking is a little of the 80s but it's so entertaining and the story is so strong and the acting is so strong um but it's so relatable the relationships in this film are so relatable that it doesn't matter if it's the 80s 90s 2000s the relationship that he has with his mom the relationship that he has with his best friend these are still the kind of relationships we have now, whereas that Freaky Friday, yeah. movie from 1976, it, that movie would not be made today. Yeah, <laughs> it,
0: it's painful, and, and we will, and we will definitely get in that next week because, wow, but but yeah, big, you you could watch it today, and it is, it, it still holds, and I think there's a lot of really good core messages in there. The idea of you know, we want to get ahead of where we are. We want to like always wanting that next thing and then getting it all of a sudden without kind of getting there like that presents some challenges and it's hard. Um, But then at the same time, like I love the line where um, Susan is talking to the other executive, you know, the bad guy executive and he's like, what do you like about Baskin anyway? And she's like, he's a grown up," and like, He's a grown- up to her because he just doesn't care about all of the adult drama and the politics and the things like that. but he's actually very childlike, and it makes you wonder like when we when we kind of grow up and we want to become the adults and the grown-ups and we get caught up in all of that stuff, are we actually being less grown up? I don't know. it's just a it was a weird just some thoughts I had while I was watching it the other day
1: yeah i mean he's the whole time he's like i don't want to be treated like a baby anymore i don't want to be treated like a kid you know um i want to be an adult and then he gets there and the woman who becomes his girlfriend, she's like, I don't want to be an adult anymore. So it's like adults are always wishing they could go back and relive their childhood mm-hmm. because adult being an adult sucks. And kids are like, I don't <laughs> want to be treated like a kid anymore. Being And I mean, this is, again, it's the same as Freaky Friday. It's the same as these other movies. But with this film, you actually get to see a kid miss like the total awkward yet amazing years that forms who you are as a person. Yeah. He goes from... You know, when you still, you know, had sleepovers with your best friend mm-hmm. and you had secret handshakes, he met, He missed all the years, you know, in between there and being an adult. And that forms you as a person. Um, and so he went straight to it. And so I think, one, that made it great because he's so naive to, you know, how just gross people can be. You know, like the people at his work, the the mean guy at his work mm-hmm. is just like this horrible manipulative person and I think we learn that about people in the years that he missed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like junior high and high school are awful for kids, (laughs) but that's when we learn like where we fit in the food chain, but he missed (laughs) all that. So it's so great because he goes into these meetings. Like, I don't care. I'll just say, I'm a kid. I'm supposed to just tell you how it is. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't have a filter, you know, and that's, and we're, as an adult watching this, I'm like, I wish more adults would actually tell me the truth. Yeah, but then I'm like, but do I? <laughs>
0: do I really? Yeah. Well, do I and, really? And at the very end, you've got the scene where um, he's like, "Yeah, why don't you make a wish and come with me, and we can grow up together?" And she's like, "No, I high school, like everything you got ahead of you, like that's hard enough the first time around, if you know what I mean." And then she looks at him, she's like, "Well, I guess you don't know what I mean." And <laughs> you that, don't know he's, what he's <laughs> he, like you said, Val, he's on all of that. Like he doesn't. Have any idea how hard it is, um, and I, I think that's it. It would be really really hard to to skip all of that, but at the same time, would we? I don't know. Maybe I'd be an executive vice president at a toy making company <laughs> if I had just. Yeah, grown because up. you wouldn't be afraid. You wouldn't
1: be afraid to just go in and you know say what you you what you feel. I think that's sometimes as adults we get in our own way. Whereas a kid, because we just don't see things the way the world is, like kids can accomplish so much more because they don't have the blocks that we have. I think we get in our own way. And I think that that is kind of a message in this movie too, because they all want to be friends with the owner of this company and they're kissing his butt and they're trying to figure out what he wants, but none of them actually talk to him and or ask him what he wants, except for Tom Hanks's character. And he's the one that succeeds.
0: Well, yeah. (laughs) And there's that disconnect where they're, you know, they're giving him all the reports and the data and the research and everything else. But he runs into Tom Hanks at the toy store playing with toys. And, and he says, you know, I come here cause I want to see what the kids, what they really want and what they're really, he's like, Mar- market research can't tell you this, um, which yeah. probably isn't a hundred percent true. Market research does tell you a lot about what people want and kids want, but it's not the same as hands on. Right. And, yeah. and that's where Tom Hanks, Shines. I love the meeting where they're talking about the transforming skyscraper. <laughs> and he's like it's like but what does it do? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's a skyscraper. That's awesome. But yeah. what does it do? like I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. Like most
0: like Transformers go bots, they they change into things that are cool that kids want to play with. Like this is just a building. What do you do with the building? Like I want a giant prehistoric bug.
1: Yeah, and that oh, and that guy just loses his crap.
0: I love he's how like, that what, guy what, just loses what is, what is going his on? crap. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, that oh guy, God. that
0: guy. It's funny because you you notice the immaturity in in Tom Hanks in in Josh Baskin because it's very apparent. He is just that child like naivete, and it's not it's not immaturity in the way like he can't have adult relationships or he's not it's he can't in some ways, but it's just that being naive and just childlike. Whereas right. the other guy, the other executive, he's just he's the immature core. in a totally different way. He is all self-centered and selfish. And, and you see it really come out when they're playing uh, the racquetball game outside. And <laughs> it's like, oh no, you said it had to go over the line or, you know, hit the line or whatever on the serve. And that one didn't, and he's like, I never said that. And then they start arguing about it and he won't give him the ball back. And he's like <laughs> tackling him to the ground. And like, because he can't stand to lose and right. he can't stand to admit that Baskin is better than him in any way. And like, that's a different kind of immaturity. And that guy did go through high school and he's still that immature, you know? Right. So.
1: Yeah. But I mean, in that scene where like, he finds out that his girlfriend is in to Tom Hanks's character. And he kind of does that thing that kids do when you find out that they've taken your toy, Uh you know, like when you're an adult, people, people are your things. And when other people play with your things, with your people, then, you know, you kind of get immature. And, and I just thought that was like, so so great just even in the car and she's pushing all the buttons because she's realizing like i have a great life like i'm (laughs) in this car every day and it has all these days like she's playing with the radio and like you know and that's and that's that saying again is that kids really allow us to see things that we don't see we take for granted every day kids see those things um and so how i mean you know the story's not like this Oscar award winning like writing but it's it works so well because if a kid is going to grow up quickly and going to work anywhere it's going to be in a toy store like he's mm-hmm. going to know mm-hmm. like for a toy company like what's going to work and so i mean that's not like anything huge but i think it was so brilliant but there are so many iconic scenes in this movie that whether you have seen this movie or not you understand what we're talking about. Like the scene you said in the toy store, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anybody can watch a clip of him and his boss um, on that piano. And they're like, okay, that's big. Whether they've seen it once or haven't seen it all, they understand. If anybody sees the Zoltar machine, Mm -hmm. they understand what it means, what movie it's from. There's just so many iconic moments in this film. I think my favorite one is when he shows up, to the executive party and he's eating the little corns Mm -hmm. like (laughs) throwing them away when I was a kid and I saw that I was like so then I would do that every time I would see those (laughs) I'd be like
0: well and and that leads into it you know when he when he's there and she offers to give him a ride home and this is where she's interested in him now, and she's she wants to, um, she kind of has this history of getting with these top executives at the company, uh, and so he's the next target for her. And so she's like, when she's like, "Oh, do you want me to, you know, stay the night?" He's like, "Like, like a sleepover." sleepover? <laughs> like- yeah, he's like a like like, sleepover, and and in his mind, he's picturing like, yeah, that's great. He takes her up, like, hey, let's jump on the trampoline. She's like, you want me to jump on the trampoline for you? And you can tell she's thinking this is some kind of weird like fetish of you his. Can sleep on the top, you can sleep on the top bunk. Yeah, he's like, I get top, and she was like, oh, of course, you know, and like has no idea that he actually means a bunk. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, and then when she's like, okay, I'll jump for you. And you can tell she's thinking this is some kind of weird thing that he's got. But, no, he really just wants to have fun and jump on the trampoline with her. That's when she starts to realize, okay, he is different. And it's a good different for her. So um, I I love the scene when he sits down for the first time at his computer at work. And John Lovitz is his his neighbor. (laughs) Anytime John Lovitz is in a movie, it's great. Exactly.
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: And he leans over, he's like, see her over there? Yeah, she's, you know, whatever. She'll wrap her legs around you so tight and never let you go or whatever. He's like, oh, I'm going to stay away from her. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and Tom Hanks just has that sense of, I, I don't think it would have worked without, with a different actor. Uh, the, the whole movie is so heavily based on him and his able ability to access that childhood wonder and excitement, and innocence, and, um, yeah, I mean, the way he delivers that line, Jake, is just so great because of the performance. Mm -hmm.
1: Can we talk about the elephant in the room as well? And I don't know if I'm the only one that realized it this time around watching it, but... I feel like Tiger King has ruined the Baskin name because all I could think about oh, even as think soon as they say Mrs. Baskin, I'm like, Oh, they have the same last name because I didn't remember their family last name and Carol Baskin and now Mrs. Baskin. And that's all I could think about like for the first half of the movie. And I was like, I think there should be like some kind of ordinance that if your movie is in a feel-good Tom Hanks movie and you're not a good person, you must change your name. Yes.
0: That, I will support that. That gets increasingly harder because he's been in a lot of movies, <laughs> and most of them help. Well, you then struggle. be
1: a good person. Exactly,
0: yeah. it's up to you to be a good person. Uh, I I did not make that connection at all. Um, so I neither. Um, But uh, props
2: to you for doing so. Now I'll just never see this movie in the same light again. I'm
1: sorry. I ruined it for everyone.
0: (laughs) No, I I think you're right, uh, Tracy. When you talk about Tom Hanks, he does have an ability, not just a childlike wonder, but I think anytime he's cast in a role, he just becomes that character Mm -hmm. so well. I mean, there's few people out there that that could be trusted to play both Walt Disney and Fred Rogers. And he does both of those roles really well. He does, you know, in the terminal, for example, which is not like the greatest movie, but he does a really good job. Mm -hmm. Um, He just, whatever role he steps into, he just is such an incredible performer and actor that he just takes that role on. So it's like, there's few actors that you go to and say, okay, we want you to play, like a guy who looks like he's grown up but he's really a 13 year old okay cool got it and he's Mm -hmm. ready to go like i don't i don't know there's a lot of actors that could step into that role as well and i don't and i agree it just wouldn't be the same movie if it wasn't tom hanks and it makes you wonder who else they had in mind because i don't he wasn't a big enough name at the time that they could be like no this role was written for him it's gotta be tom hanks yeah yeah I would be I, interested to know who else. Yeah, they I just I
1: just don't see, yeah, because the people that were big, like sorry, the people that were like bigger actors at the time, um, when you look at that time period in you know late 1980s, they were all doing movies that were like mafia movies and serious movies, and there wasn't really a ton of huge comedies happening. Um, you know, and so I mean like you wouldn't want like Al Pacino to be in this role. You wouldn't like, you know, that's, that's crazy. Um,
0: So, so here's, what's really funny. You just mentioned Al Pacino. Uh, I I just found on IMDB.com. It says Tom Hanks was the first choice to play Josh Baskin, but was (laughs) unavailable due to scheduling conflicts with Dragnet uh, and Punchline. Robert (laughs) De Niro was then offered the lead role, but was rejected because the salary demand was too high. Robert De Niro as Josh Aspen <laughs> in Big, and not just that—it's a 1987 Robert De Niro. This yeah. is,
2: is Goodfellas at all. Yeah. This is Martin Scorsese yeah. De Niro. This isn't War with Grandpa, silly comedy De Niro.
1: Yeah, I mean the same movies that came out this year were like Cocktail, Mystic Pizza. Yeah. Um, Roger. Roger Rabbit. I mean, okay. So what if Tom Hanks was in Willow and Val Kilmer was in Big because those came out the
0: same year. Oh wow. <laughs> Whew, Willow, um, Willow might have been better, but Big would not.
1: <laughs> no, I think Val Kilmer. I like him in Willow. I I, I really do, do. I think he he fits, but I don't think yeah him in Big would have been a good idea. You know, yeah, so. and also we had Beetle, Beetlejuice that year, and you mm-hmm. know, I wouldn't want my in that role either. I mean, that wouldn't have worked out. But I you think- know, I think with Tom Hanks, he he did have he had been working on a bunch of things, but I think what he had going for him is that he is such a tall man mm-hmm. that's a good actor. But when you look at him and you think, oh my gosh, who is this big tall man? You automatically think of an adult, and then he he talks and he makes his faces, and he's immediately like Tracy said, like this young kid. Mm-hmm. You don't get that combination. like Robert De Niro can be silly, right. but you look at him, and whether he's laughing or not, I'm a little scared of Robert All De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care <laughs> well, if it's 1988 Robert De Niro or 19 or you know 2020 well, Robert De Niro, and he's laughing and making jokes. I'm still like, well even. <laughs>
0: Even in, in the comedies that he's been in, the silly comedies that he's been in recently, like you know, War with Grandpa, I haven't seen it yet, but it feels like it's in the same vein as like Meet the Parents. Like mm-hmm. he's he's funny in it, but he's still also really scary. Like that's what's funny about it. Like, I've got nipples, can you milk me? Like that's just a really intimidating line. Like and it's yeah. so ridiculous. But when Robert De Niro says it, you're like, I know, uh, no, no mm-hmm. sir. Yeah, I, I think. I not.
1: The only movie that he does that I don't see the Robert De Niro that's in every movie, and I think Robert De Niro is a great actor. He is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. He is in a movie called The Intern, which not a lot of people have seen. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, And um, I absolutely love him in that. And he plays a character, and I mean he is this character that I don't, that I I would hug Robert De Niro and not feel like he was going to kill me or have someone else kill me would be in the intern. Yeah. What I still want him in big. No, I still don't yeah. think he would be great and big, but I mean, there's just moments when, you know, they show, you know, younger Baskin, um, and he's with this friend and they're doing down, down baby down by the roller coaster, you know, like that whole mm-hmm. thing. Shimmy and shimmy then when he does it again, t- shimmy, shimmy rock, shimmy, shimmy, cocoa puff. Yeah. I know the whole thing. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. But when he, when Tom does it with the kid when he's older, you see the same energy from mm-hmm. him that you mm-hmm. see from the child actor. Like there's something so magical there that I just don't see another actor being able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah.
2: did read that uh, they would mm-hmm. have the young Josh actually play the adult role and Tom Hanks would watch him and study his mannerisms and how oh, he wow. reacted and then Transferred over. Um, they said he did something similar with Forrest Gump.
1: Okay.
0: Interesting. So and
2: and he, I was while you were talking, Jake on IMDb, I quickly browsed and um, John Travolta was Penny Marshall's first choice, but he was considered box office poison.
0: Yeah. Also, would Which, have a hard time with that. That would
2: be really different I movie think, too.
0: I think the problem with with John Travolta. Uh, in the '80s, and Val Kilmer in the '80s for this role is—they're just too good-looking. Like they mm-hmm. are the the lead male hero, good-looking kind of actors. And Tom Hanks, who's an incredible actor, is—and it's not that he's ugly. I just want this right, to be clear. Right. But he's not that. No, that he's not the typical and, uh, good-looking he, man.
1: He doesn't Hallmark have the Hansen. machismo. They have this machismo, yeah. mm-hmm, like Tom. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, he. You know, when you watch Grease, you just know without him saying anything that he is the big guy on campus. Like Mm -hmm. this is, you know, he doesn't have he just has this certain thing about him that in every movie that he's in, he's got I watched Face Off the other night and I hadn't watched it in such a long time. And there's just regardless of the age of him. Um, he has this machismo about him. Mm -hmm. So it's not like cheesy. It's great. But I just don't see him. Like he's been childlike in Michael, but he was still sexy Michael. (laughs) You
2: know what I mean?
1: Like the sexiest angel I've ever seen.
2: (laughs) To me, I don't know about you guys, but to me watching Tom Hanks' performance in this, you feel like he actually is this kid trapped in this adult body and you completely buy it. Whereas like you were saying, Val, if you have Val Kilmer or Robert De Niro... I don't know if you instantly see like maybe through the acting you would get it, but there's an instant connection with Tom Hanks um, where you're just like, okay, he's a, he's a 10 year old kid.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I I do want to just say about face off really quick. That's one of my favorite titles for any movie ever, because I feel like they're like, (laughs) okay, we've got this idea. We're going to take these two crime Lords. We're going to cut their faces off and swap them. And what should we call it? Uh, Face off. (laughs) It works on multiple levels. Why have
1: we not talked about this movie, by the way? Can we add that, down. that to our I'm list? I'm down for adding
2: a John Woo film. <laughs> but see, they're getting their faces cut off, but they're also going against each other in a face-off. John Woo is worked. my
1: favorite action director. And yeah. You know, this movie was the first movie that in film school, I got to participate in. Before they cut the film and we met John Woo, oh. and we met the writers directors and we it was it was a big deal for me this film and so it has like a special little USC memories in my heart plus I just love John Woo. like he's great.
2: There you go. Boy the only director I got to meet was Danny Boyle <laughs> who's great but he's not John Wu. I mean Woo. that's
1: kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. he's not John Woo. John
2: Wu's great like
1: yeah, when we talk about it, I'll tell you guys my John Woo story. Like, it's pretty magical, so. All right. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Is it as magical as the Jack Black story?
1: It's a little, I mean, I would think it's equally as magical. Oh, I'm very Because excited. I didn't
2: expect to meet
1: Jack Black, but I knew I was going in to meet John Woo. So. I'm intrigued. It is a little, and John Woo, like, yeah, it was it was a class. We had a class with John Woo.
2: Right. So, yeah. Ooh, that's cool. That's I'm excited. Cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Yeah. So speaking of the child actors in big um, we've got his best friend, Billy Kopecky, who
1: <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs>
0: who, like, he's like the sidekick child actor of his era because he's in this, he's also in honey. I shrunk the kids. He, he just shows up from time to time and he's got a very recognizable face and mannerism and he just plays this kind of sarcastic sidekick very, very well. Um, and he's, I think he's great in this movie playing opposite of Tom Hanks and yeah. being comfortable, like making it look believable that these two are still best friends, even though one of them is a grown man and one of them is a child. Although I think nowadays, if you saw a grown man hanging out with a child who was clearly not his son, you'd probably call the police as much as these guys hung out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, there's the still the Big Brother program. Don't jump to conclusions. That's true. That's true.
0: That's true. That's a fair
1: point. I live in I, I live in the happy half glass full kind of world, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely question it, but I I would hope for the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I do love it what he's doing. But yeah,
1: I, I definitely think.
0: Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead.
1: No, go. You had a thought. Go. No, I,
0: go. say, I mean, I I love it when they're in the scene where they're uh, at the job interview. And he's filling out the application and they're like, okay, you can come in now, Mr. Baskin, but your son's going to have to wait out here. They're like, my son. It's like, okay, okay dad, dad, I'm going to wait out here, dad. And like, makes it all awkward. I'm like, you guys are idiots. Cause it totally would have been like, okay. Like you're playing it. Like it's yeah. such a weird jump to conclusions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I just love that. You can tell that they're best friends because Like he believed him almost right away and he had no question about the story. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, he, he's telling him, no, it's me. Here's a couple of things. And there was no question in his mind that that would be his best friend. Like he knew it. And I just thought that was so great because, you know, when you're a kid, most of us have these connections with at least one person, you know um, whether you have, you're still friends with that person or not. Now you remember like your best friend, you know, and would they, would they have, you know, really thought that was you and would they have helped you? Like he went out of his way, like they went and got this seedy, you know, motel room. That's awful. Like I would not have laid on that mattress. Like they, uh, they needed tetanus shots and penicillin and everything after that. But like, he really did like help him out. Like mm-hmm. that he didn't just say, okay, well, it's your problem. You know, he was his best friend no matter what. Um, my boyfriend and I watched The Boys last night. Mm-hmm. And and I had watched Big earlier in the day. And I, if you haven't seen um, or know, it was, was, what was it? Good Boys, Good Boys not The Boys. Oh. That's a totally mm-hmm. different movie. But Good Boys, um, the movie. And <laughs> they also have this like relationship with each other that they're just like, no matter what they're getting into, they're totally, you know, following along. And I think after watching big yesterday morning and then watching that show last night, I was like, boys are really nice to each other when they're younger. Like they just stick, stick next to each other <laughs> and no questions asked. Yeah.
0: I'd, I'd like to say that's a stereotype, but no, it's actually pretty true for the most part. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and Val, going back
0: to what you were talking about, I think that the reason why...
2: um Josh's friend is able to accept the the idea that he made a wish and it came true and now he's big. It's easier for a kid to oh okay that makes sense. Whereas when he's trying to tell his mom and he's trying to tell his girlfriend and they just can't wrap their heads around it because that's just so implausible. But mm-hmm. to the to the 12-year-old it's like okay I I get it. We sang yeah. a rap song that we know and then we're good we're we're best friends. So let's go yeah yeah,
0: yeah. And, and when he and the scene with his mom where he's trying to tell her and trying to let her know what happened and he is terrified because he doesn't know what to do right and he's freaking out and he's you know i made this for you mom and i you know trying to share all the stuff that only she would know She's <laughs> like, you, what have you done with you? like she can't even begin to go there because like you were saying tracy she just can't even wrap her head around it mm-hmm. and you know she's convinced that Josh has been kidnapped, and she offers to give the guy her purse. And he's like, "No, I don't want." It. Listen to me, mom. It's me. And yeah, um, I, I love that this movie. It, it is so typical um, for its time in that it just ends right. He just walks in yeah. and it's like, "Josh, you're home," and that's it. And you don't get any of the like after effects or anything like that. Like, there's not going to be a sequel, big two, where it's like him going to therapy and the therapist trying to convince him that it didn't actually happen that like this is how he's coping with a very traumatic experience of being kidnapped and like he's made up this whole story. It's not going to be a
1: a return to Oz
0: where they put him in a No one should ever get that kind of treatment for their sequel. A return to Oz treatment is just
1: but it's, the, it's kind of the same thing, look like like, yeah. like they're gonna put him in this in a sane asylum or in the therapist that to try and shock it out of him that this didn't happen to him. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, thank goodness I don't want a big two ever. Like no, anybody not. I'm sure people have tried to pitch it. I'm sure people have tried to pitch it, and hopefully those people don't have jobs anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, like it's it look, what what happened to Josh after big? Like nobody cares. You're missing the point of the movie. Like nobody cared yeah. at all. We don't want to know. Like, well, the other thing, what happened, he walked in and mom and dad were so happy to see him. And then he had a normal, healthy life from the time was really until he, you know, grew old and retired and everything went great for him. That's what happened to Josh. That's what we need to know.
2: The other thing I noticed too, and, and this is talking about the time period. It's only like an hour and 45 minutes. and yeah. It's Perfect. Out. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's a tight little thing. And so many movies now feel like they have to be at least two to two and a half hours minimum.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, and it's, it's an hour and 45 minutes and a lot happens. Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing. A lot of these movies that are so much longer now, and you talked about being tight. It's so true. A lot of these movies are so much longer now. And there's moments where you're like. Couldn't we have left this out? Like, nothing mm-hmm. is really yeah. happening right I now. I feel
1: like at the time they said, okay, like America's attention span is an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes. So you've got to really be able to tell your story. And there is an art form. Like when you first go to film school, they make you tell a six to eight minute film. Like you better get your thoughts down and you better really, you know, word economize. That's what we use in the morning show is like, okay, you've got a 10 minute story, but you've got to tell it in two minutes. When we tell people, when we call them on the radio, like tell us like your phone is going to die. Tell Mm -hmm. us your story. Like your phone is going to die. And I feel like now, People are like, oh, they did a two and a half hour, three hour movie that's so artistic. That's so like they're almost giving them permission to suck. Because, <laughs> I mean, how many times, guys, how many times last year when we actually went to movies did we walk out of the film and I'm like, okay, they could have cut 30 minutes out of this film? Yeah, most of you are like, hours, Because right. they're, they're allowed. They're allowed to ramble now. And I'm so over the rambling. I love when you have, like Tracy, like you said, a super tight, you know, minute or hour 45 movie that you get all the story that you need. And there's nothing else that mm-hmm. I don't need any of your side gibberish. Yeah. Like, tell yeah. me a movie like your phone is going to die. Yeah, one <laughs> of the first
2: things we learned in film school um, up at the U was 99% of uh, movies are too long. Yep, and it was like you cut like your life depends on it. Like you edit this thing down to the bone, and that's what you do. And yeah, yeah you just don't see that as much anymore.
0: No, you don't. I I blame James Cameron <laughs> because I, <laughs> I feel and I'll tell you Lucas, why. What's that?
2: I was going to say Lucas, but you know Cameron works
0: well. And the reason why is because I feel like Titanic was where that trend started to change. And Titanic it was a longer movie, but it was one of the first longer movies that mainstream wise people went back and saw over and over again. And studios saw we could, we could make these longer movies and directors got a little bit more leeway uh, to do it. I think think that movie
1: wasn't self-centered though. Like, I, wa- I can watch Titanic over and over and watch just the technical aspects of that foo- sure. movie. And I don't, I don't think it feels long where as if you go and watch something like Tenet, Irishman. um, and the Irishman, the Irishman is so self-centered. Oh, there is so cow. much stuff in that movie that does not need to be there. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a difference between doing a three hour movie that has a story that, that is moving you forward and a three hour movie. Um, and I like, I think Tarantino is a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, guilty of this mm-hmm. as well. If he doesn't have his editor there to cut out his ego, then you get at least 25 to 30 minutes of his ego in his yeah. movies 100%. 100%. Well,
0: and, and I don't mean to say that yeah. Titanic is a bad movie, I just think, and I don't no, I know,
1: I get what you're saying,
0: like, but I think there's that kind of opened that door. It seems like the trend started going yeah, up. From sure. then. And from Lord of the Rings, too, I think is another mm-hmm. one to blame a big, yeah, someone a else. Peter Jackson is another one to blame. Yeah. Um, but again, There's, Lord of the Rings doesn't feel like it's that long for people that enjoy Lord of the Rings. For people that don't, it feels like it's forever. And I get it. <laughs> but yeah. But it's interesting <laughs> it because could be I torture. Felt like it could Hobbit, be torture for some people. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but I
2: felt like the I felt like the Hobbit films took forever ever. Whereas okay. the Lord of the Rings, it just clips
0: by. Well, that's because Lord of the Rings is three books this size, while the Hobbit is <laughs> one book this size that they stretched into three movies that were as long as the Lord of the Rings movies. It shouldn't have never happened. It shouldn't have ever happened that way. But,
1: <laughs> and but just to, to let Peter you guys Jackson know, all- they're doing all six of the movies in 4k digital um, DVD coming out so you can get yeah. all of the torture again if you haven't already bought the box set or if you want every uh, box set ever made but they're also doing the director's cuts. so if you really want to torture someone that doesn't like it then go ahead and buy those and watch them.
2: I like the director's cuts even better on the on those films. Not always yeah. but on those films yes. Yeah. yeah. But um, go, going back to big with yes, the editing though probably even idea. though it's a shorter tighter movie it still has a leisurely pace to it. I don't feel right. like there's frenetic storytelling, which it was a really cool um, change of pace because I still got this kind of moving along, feel-good, leisurely-paced film. But then it was over.
0: Yeah, I agree. You, you, it tells the story it needs to tell in the time that it tells it, and it, and you, you start at point A and you get to point B, and you've gone on a journey, even though that that journey took less time than other movies. And, and I think that that's really great storytelling on the part of Penny Marshall on the part mm-hmm. of the screenwriters on, on everybody involved. But I also think that that's like you said, Tracy, that's the time. A lot of movies were two hours or less in, in the eighties and the early nineties. And um I wish we would go back to that because we don't need two hours plus to tell a comedic story anymore. If, we yeah. Just, if it, if yeah. The story I think another,
2: it, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say if the story warrants it, then I don't have a problem with a two and a half, three hour movie. But if you do, if you, if you're trying to tell a, like Val said, if you're trying to tell a, an hour and a half movie into three hours, you're doing it absolutely wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think a really good um, version of that is um, Endgame. I mean, Endgame is three mm-hmm. hours of. And I by the by the time it was done, I was like, "But I I need more! Like I can't yeah. believe it's over! Right, like right. the pacing of that film, the, how much story they filled in that film, but also they had their quiet, slow moments. Um, you know, that was a really good paced three hour movie. Um, but I think another good version of Big is is even a year later, Tom Hanks was in The Burbs. It mm. was the same thing. It was this really great. You know, movie that was only an hour forty-two, and you know it was kind of a darker comedy, but they fit such a good story in um, such a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, guys. What what do we want to give for a grade for Big?
1: Well. I think I think Big is a solid B-plus for me. I mean, I can watch this movie over and over and over. It's not um, my absolute favorite Tom Hanks movie, but it's like in the top five of my favorite Tom Hanks movies.
2: Yeah, I'd probably go uh, B-plus as well on this one. Um, Tom Hanks absolutely is magnificent in the film. The rest of the casting is really good. I like the child actors, which is not always a good... Uh, uh you know, that's that's a difficult thing, but the kids worked really well for me. Um, it does kind of show its age, but it still holds up really well. So I'm gonna have been a B plus.
0: I'm I'm gonna give it an A for my cool. myself. I remember watching it as a kid and fantasizing about what it would be like to be a grown-up and how cool that is that he had an opportunity to do that. And now I watch it as a grown-up and I get very different messages out of it. And a movie that can do that for me is awesome. It's got great rewatchability. Uh, for me. So I would give it an A. So, nice. All right. Well, awesome, guys. We uh, Next week, we'll be back with Freaky Friday. We're going to be talking about the original 1976 Freaky Friday, as well as the remake uh, in 2003. We are not going to be covering the one that came out in 2018 on the Disney channel because none of us have seen it, nor do we want to. <laughs> So, uh,
2: two two versions of Freaky Friday was my limit. I couldn't do three.
0: Yeah, there there is a new version of Freaky Friday. It's called Just Freaky, and I don't know that it's actually Freaky Friday, but it's the same kind of story. But it's a horror version of the film yeah. where the teenage girl switches with the oh, Butterfield yeah. Butcher, and Vince Vaughn is playing the teenage girl in the Butterfield Butcher's body. And And I heard it's good. I heard it's good. I
2: heard heard it's really surprisingly good, and I'm kind of intrigued by that one.
0: Yeah, it looks incredibly gory, though, from the trailers. But, however, there you go. There's a tie-in for Halloween with Freaky Friday and Freaky.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine the pitch pitch meeting for that? Okay, we're going to take the beloved Disney classic Freaky Friday and put it into a horror film.
0: Depending and on some what, some girl has pitching,
1: to be Vince Vaughn, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's freaky enough.
0: D- depending on what, uh, what studio you're pitching to, that's all they had to say. We want to take the Disney classic Freaky Friday and turn it into a horror film sold. Let's do it. Um, you got a
2: good, you got a green light
0: picture, yeah. We don't even care, just we don't need to see the script. You're go- good to go. Um, also, speaking of Halloween, you guys need to listeners you need to check out Val's Multiplane Podcast they're doing a countdown to Halloween this month and so you go over and check out their videos on their Facebook page for some great suggestions on what's available for Halloween from from Disney cuz you guys cover all things Disney
1: yeah, we cover all things Disney. And on the 29th, we are going to have Paul Draper live on the show at 3.30. And we are going to be talking about Haunted Mansion, both the movie and the ride. And he's a fantastic nice. magician. But he also is, has some really fun insight about the Haunted Mansion ride. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, Paul nice. Draper is an amazing human being. That, that'll that be a fun episode.
2: Yeah, that'll, I'm looking forward to
0: that one. So awesome. In the meantime, though, you can send us your feedback to podcast at movies that make us.com. You can also leave your comments here at the bottom, uh, or under our video. Um, if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube, YouTube channel, please do that. Like this video, uh, set the alert. So, you know, when we've got new videos up and share it with your friends. Uh, and in the meantime, we won't see you at the movies. Bye.